0: going linux episode 436 welcome to linux part 7 how can linux be free welcome to the going linux podcast i'm your host larry bushy
1: and i'm your co host bill whether you're new to linux upgrading from windows to linux or just thinking about moving to linux this podcast provides you valuable information and advice that will help you in going linux
0: we hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done.
1: If you want, you can send us feedback at goinglinux at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at one 468 7889
0: In today's episode, we continue our series on Welcome to Linux. This is part seven. How can Linux be free? Hey, Bill.
1: Hey, uh how, how was I actually thinking about that? How can Linux be free? Uh Never mind. Yeah. Uh, not enough caffeine. So, yeah, um this is going to be an interesting one because a lot of people can't get their head around. And well, I'm, to some extent, me too. And, you know, Linux, a whole operating system with all the applications. And how can it actually, you know, how can they do all this for free and how can they use it so it's it's a fa- it's fascinating
0: it is and we'll talk about that give you some of the rationale behind it explain hopefully why and how linux can be free and not just linux but open source software as well we'll get into that and in particular we'll talk about linux and to be specific about the examples we use we use examples around ubuntu mate but if this applies to any free and open source software.
1: So just so we keep uh, the our format the same weather report, it's cold. Okay, we can move on. Oh,
0: yeah, weather. Yeah, <laughs> it's cold here too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it is winter here in the northern hemisphere, yeah. so that's normal. It's abnormally cold.
1: <laughs> so I do get uh, a lot of questions, but what kind of uh, questions do you get when it comes to you know people saying, how can it all be free?
0: Yeah, so usually it's, you know, email or voicemail or something, and we've had a few of them on the show before. And, you know, privately, uh, whenever somebody asks me about what do I do for hobbies, they talk about Linux and they they say, Linux, what's that? And explain <laughs> to them that it's a free opera. Well, wait, it's free, why you know, uh what about Microsoft? It's, uh, yeah, it's on all the computers and I guess it's free too, cause it comes on the computers. But, um, yeah, the, the question I often get asked is some form of, I want to use Linux, but it's free. And I've heard that free is not a viable business model. How can I put my trust in the Linux operating system if the developers don't charge for it? So this is talking about free in the sense of free beer, as they say, or no charge. This isn't about freedom, but more about how can we get Linux without paying for it. So that's that's what we're talking about here.
1: Yeah. So the people get a general idea is for-profit organizations like Microsoft and Apple obviously have revenue-generating business models. They they're selling ex- uh, expensive hardware and software. They also have a product support. Uh, models, uh, that make their free offerings not only viable, but difficult to kill without warning. (laughs) And, yeah, yeah, especially if you work in, uh, big organizations like both of us, you know, and you're using it, they, they have extensive, uh, support plans and also, um, I don't know about you, but, uh, usually a couple times a year, they have to actually go through and count how many uh, systems that are running for on uh, like Microsoft or Apple um, to pay licensing fees because it's a commercial outfit.
0: Right, and my understanding of the way the Microsoft license works, it's not just how many computers that you have that are running. Microsoft's products, but how many computers do you have that are capable of running Microsoft's products, and those get counted as you know eligible for licenses, so you have to pay for the licenses based on that count, not just on how many instances of the software are you using really
1: so if you if you yeah. if you bought uh, as a uh, organization ten laptops from say system seventy six that run uh Linux. You still have to count those?
0: I don't know. Oh. Um I don't know. I know that if you bought them with Windows on them and you converted them to Linux that if you continue to use Microsoft software in any form, uh you're you owe them money. Oh wow. So Okay. Uh, yeah.
1: That's kind of bizarre. <laughs> it,
0: it it is. And although It comes bundled with your computer, um, most computers that are used for business, and let's face it, for personal use as well. Windows is, you know, they don't charge you extra for it. At least it doesn't appear that they do when you buy a computer. But it's really not full-featured and uh, free product uh, on your computer. Um, Google, on the other hand, has a solid business model built on advertising that it can use to support the products that it gives away, like Chrome and other things, but it has demonstrated that it is willing to kill any product or service that they offer at any time. And this has given rise to the fear that whatever is free, especially from Google, will eventually disappear and this is illustrated by the list of free products that Google has killed and we'll include in the show notes um killed by Google <laughs> a link to that website okay. and you'll see how many products Google has introduced acquired and then subsequently killed it's oh, wow. amazingly long and some of my favorite yeah applications have been on that list
1: really yeah. uh oh, I mean, I know they uh killed uh we were both using uh google hangouts for a little while until they killed it
0: Yep, yeah, hangouts and uh uh what was that social media thing that they had for a while i forget what it was called we were using that and then we had to go to something else for our forums and yeah it's it's just uh amazing and when google does something like that whenever somebody sees something for free they think about what google's done and they say well it's only a matter of time they're not making any money on this it's going to go away not the case yeah
1: not not the (laughs) case one of the uh interesting things they don't seem to do it as much as they used to but uh, to speak to windows not being full featured, do you remember uh, probably five to eight years ago when you bought a uh machine with uh Microsoft's operating system, Windows, whether it be 95 or two, uh, 2000, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Windows 10, I don't think it's too much on Windows 10, but they're starting to do it again, is they actually include what I call crapware, you know, shareware, yes. trialware and stuff to round out the features that their operating system doesn't offer.
0: That's exactly right, yeah. There's a lot of features they don't have, and so they they provide them by... You know, uh, augmenting their software with uh, well, at at you know, in the Windows ninety eight and beyond era, um, software for antivirus was not available from Microsoft. Now it's built in, but uh, and, and of course those companies that yeah. At the time it wasn't, and those companies that uh, have built an industry around antivirus software are still around and still sell it to you uh and that's part of the crapware if you will that they offer on windows uh even though it's built in you have an opportunity to buy more software to uh fix a problem with windows uh, going forward
1: so it you know the free operating system is not really free especially uh you know uh, we'll just use this one i'll just use this one as an example the um they have a web-based version of their office that's very limited, but uh, the, if you want to have uh, Microsoft Word, or whatever, um, Excel, you that's an additional fee. And they're going to a, a more of a uh, pay us uh, yearly or monthly depending on how you want to pay for it, for this service. So it's basically software as a service now.
0: Yeah. And the online versions have gotten more and more of the features that you expect in the installed versions, Um, but they still don't quite match up feature for feature. Uh, Mostly they do, but there are a few features that they don't have simply because it's online versus Something that runs on your hardware and the free version is a little bit more limited than if you paid for, uh, paid a license for that online version. And of course, corporate discounts and so on for companies bring the price down to levels that, you know, they don't offer to the individual. But, you know, to, to be fair to Microsoft, which I really hate to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um okay. their free versions are pretty good. Uh, but there are some better versions of free software than what they offer.
1: LibreOffice, I use that all the time.
0: Yeah, some would say it's not as good, but, you know, um, OnlyOffice and some of the others that are even more compatible than LibreOffice and more compatible than uh, with Microsoft's versions, um, they offer some additional features that Microsoft doesn't, apparently. Yeah. So, there you
1: go. So... Free products and services are not unusual. In fact, organizations with solid business models give things away for free all the time. Let's assume that an organization's product or service is substantial and offers real value to its users, offering products and services for free because a financial problem uh, when the developer has no other revenue source to support the free product.
0: Right. And most successful Linux distributions and open-source projects do have revenue models to support the operating systems and other software that they provide for free. And let me just give you four examples. Ubuntu's parent, Canonical, generates its stream of revenue from the sale of technical support and other revenue-related services it sells through the formation of contracts with its customers. Red Hat, whose parent is IBM, sells subscriptions for the support, training, and integration services that help their customers in using the open-source software products that they give away for free. Customers pay a set fee for up to 24-7 support, and they can also pay a fee for unlimited access to services such as the Red Hat Network, SUSE, also generates revenue by offering support and services that that company sells to the enterprises that are using the open-source technologies developed by SUSE developers. System76, who makes computers and sells them with Linux pre-installed, they support their Linux distribution, Pop! OS, through the sale of its computer hardware and accessory products.
1: Hmm. Uh, I I forgot that uh, Red Hat was bought by IBM. Yeah,
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. Now, they internally have some, you know, firewalls between the, the two companies so that Red Hat can operate independently. But let's face it, they're backed by a very solid, financially stable company. Not that Red Hat wasn't so much, but they are definitely uh, now, for sure.
1: And, you know, Canonical, who, you know, Developed uh, the Ubuntu um, li- uh, version of Linux. Uh, mm-hmm. They are kind of like the uh, granddaddy for all these other <laughs> distributions that use Ubuntu uh, for, um, uh, like, Ubuntu Mate and. Alex yeah all the derivatives yeah, yeah. all derivatives and so that' e- even uh, uh, like Linux mint uh, they, mm-hmm. they use the Ubuntu source code so uh, the one thing I was wondering Larry, uh, I think I know the answer is so, so Ubuntu mate uh, if they develop a feature and they offer it back upstream to canonical is that correct they share any changes that might help?
0: Well, they, they offer it within Canonical, for sure, because they're part of Canonical, but they offer it upstream uh, from the derivatives to the main Ubuntu, I think is what you mean, right? Yeah. Uh, and they also offer it up to Debian. Now, Debian doesn't always take them up on that offer, but they do offer it to Debian. And you know, for Ubuntu Mate, in particular, they offer with the changes that they make back to the MATE desktop environment team. And similarly, mainstream uh, GNOME-based Ubuntu offers any uh, enhancements and changes up to the uh, GNOME team. So that's just kind of the way the open source licenses work. And we're glad that it works that way because any derivative that develops an improvement Uh, everyone upstream and then back downstream gets advantage of that.
1: So everybody everybody benefits, so you don't need one big corporation. It's a lot of uh, developers and projects uh, sharing improvements and technology amongst themselves.
0: Exactly. So there's a lot of self-interest on the part of developers in these projects that are open source but are funded by companies, They offer these improvements out of self-interest. Either they're doing it for the company they work for, or if they're an individual, they're doing it because they use that distribution or that piece of open source software, or for other reasons, whatever those are. But everybody gets to benefit from the fact that the software is being developed by uh, an organization that's supported financially by their parent or by some other means of revenue
1: and I, i've heard that um like red hat and SUSI, um, they actually pay developers to work on uh, linux as their full-time job
0: oh yes um even companies like oracle do that and uh you know it's um it's just one way of those companies ensuring that they have an operating system that they can use to run their servers and offer their services to their customers without having to pay an Apple or a Microsoft or whatever for um, software that they rely on to build their business, keeping their costs down. Yeah.
1: So basically Linux is not going away. Uh, here are a few of the other assurances built into linux model that will provide longevity whether you are an individual user or linux at work and home or a corporation building upon linux as your preferred operating system for your users The developers of Linux and open-source applications are distributed amongst many corporations as well as individual developers. They are supporting these products because they love the product and many are using the products themselves and are motivated to improve the products that they use. You might say that as long as Linux has users, it has developers. Most of the computers that run the internet run on Linux, so it is unlikely that the operating system will go away without having a disastrous impact on the many industries that rely on the internet to enable their businesses. The open source development model allows projects to extend and even fork at any time so development in Support will continue even if an individual or corporate developer drops out. For example, Ubuntu has many flavors and derivatives. Ubuntu which uses Gnome, Ubuntu Mate, Ubuntu Bungie, Ubuntu Studio, Kubuntu, Lubuntu, Zubuntu, etc and (laughs) etc. There's a lot of Ubuntu's
0: there. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's for sure. And one thing you mentioned earlier, Bill, is that uh, we were making the assumption that if uh, an organization's products or services uh, is substantial software and offers real value to its users, that it's likely to stick around and would be something that that organization would, uh, even if they give it away for free, continue to support. Uh, And Linux, The Linux operating system in general provides significant value to its users. Uh, my preferred version of Linux for personal use is, you guessed it, Ubuntu Mate. And here are some of the reasons that I believe that this free operating system and the free applications that it comes with and it runs are not just good, but they offer even more value than their commercial alternatives. You may have been attracted to Linux because it's free and you can run it on almost any computer, or maybe you want to just keep your older computer running despite the lack of support from Microsoft, Google, or Apple. But I bet you'll continue to use an operating system like Ubuntu Mate Linux because it is much like your previous computer's software, only better. And by better, I mean that It provides a modern but familiar user experience and is easy to understand and use. It's designed with security built in and with protection from viruses and spyware included. And when you decide to continue using it after you've tried it, uh, I know that you'll want to have all of those features included and upgradable at no charge, Uh, of course, You'll want it to just work with minimal or no maintenance, automatic security updates, software upgrades for both the operating system and all of your installed applications. I'm sure you don't mind paying for the software, but I suspect that you'll prefer the try-before-you-buy philosophy. And Ubuntu gives you all of that and more. And take a look at any of the proprietary software out there. None of it provides you all of that value.
1: While we often recommend Ubuntu Mate for users who are migrating from Windows, Mac OS, or Chrome OS, it is also an excellent choice for any kind of computer user from casual home user to professional software developer. That's because of its beautiful, modern, and functionality thought-out design. Uh, Ubuntu Mate is capable enough for even the most experienced computer user because, well, it's Linux. It has the power of every other Linux distribution built in. Simply put, it provides a powerful and practical alternative to other software that can run on your computer.
0: That is absolutely true. And not just because I wrote it. do
1: say it, Larry.
0: And to, to wrap us up here, uh, the main point we're making is that not everything that's free is bad. The awareness, popularity, and use of Linux has been increasing steadily over the years, and it is definitely an alternative to Windows, Mac OS, and Chrome OS that's familiar, dependable, secure, capable, and modern software. Once you have discovered it, you'll want to apply what you already know about using your computer and try the Linux operating system. Yes, Linux is free, and the vast majority of applications for Linux are too, Software doesn't need to have a price tag to be a dependable, long-term solution for you, and to provide even more value to you than that expensive software you're using now. Like Linux and its applications, software provided for free simply needs another source of revenue to support it.
1: You know, when I first was looking at Linux back in the day, one of the reasons that I was... Looking as one, I could uh, my computer could not run uh, the the I think it was Windows 2000. I think I can't remember. Mm. If there's because of it, it was all the hardware um, requirements had increased, and I had a two or three year old computer, and it was like uh just comp- we're no longer offering support for it you know you won't be able to get drivers you won't be able to um uh, get you know load this operating system this web browser's out of date so you're you're pretty much buy a new computer and at the time i i didn't have the money to go buy a brand new computer and uh, you know the back uh you know 10 12 years ago it was actually uh computers were more of a luxury than an everyday um yes. tool so linux uh, enabled me uh to continue computing with my with my current hardware and you know even though that's not uh, the issue nowadays uh i uh, i still uh Like using Linux because I know that it's supported. And if you know for some reason one version uh, can no longer run, there's always another version that's developed for lower powered laptops or for uh, has support for certain uh, uh, hardware that uh, one doesn't, or I can just compile the support for that piece of hardware. Um, I've noticed that. Linux, uh, while it supports newer hardware with, you know, with nowadays with pretty much 100% compatibility, nothing is 100%, but it's, you know, gotten a lot better. It also does not throw away support for a lot of the older hardware that you, that is still perfectly serviceable. So, right. yeah, it is a good part of it, economics, but it's also, you know, you might like your machine to be perfectly serviceable or you might like uh, something in software that you just like the way it works and you don't want to have to learn a whole new software package to do the same thing you were doing with the old software. So you're, it seems like you you have uh, a, lo- a longer term of use of your hardware and software that you're comfortable using.
0: Yeah, exactly. And... You know, when you switch to uh, Linux from any other operating system, you do have to learn some new things because it is different. It's much like switching from Windows to Mac uh, or from Mac to Windows or from Windows to Chrome OS. There are things that work differently, so you need to learn them. And that'll be true with Linux. But it's so similar that it's usually pretty easy for somebody to pick up the differences, learn what the uh, things are that are familiar and leverage those to spend the time to learn what what is different. And once you've done that, you can move on and uh, just use Linux for your daily use, that's for sure. And, you know, for a while, Microsoft wasn't doing what they've, as you said, picked up again now, which is requiring certain specifications on your computer to run the latest version of windows and although i don't use windows anymore on a regular basis i have subscriptions to a lot of windows podcasts that i listen to just to keep up on the latest of what's going on in the windows world and for windows 11 as I understand it, uh, they're requiring that your computer hardware have a TPM chip and latest versions of XYZ. And there's no technical reason that a computer that runs Windows 10 can't run Windows 11. But if it doesn't meet these particular hardware specs, Windows 11 won't run on it. And you still get, as you're using Windows 10 uh, or earlier, pop-ups that tell you, oh, you should be upgrading. And when you go to try to upgrade, uh, you can't because your computer, even though it's just a few years old, doesn't have the hardware necessary to run Windows 11. So they add insult to injury uh, when uh, they start suggesting that you upgrade to something that is artificially limited to a certain set of hardware. So that's kind of annoying. (laughs) <laughs> and if you're in that situation, Linux might be an alternative for you. Give it a give it consideration for sure. Absolutely. Okay, our next episode will be listener feedback. Until
1: then, you can go to our website at glinglinks.com for articles and show notes as well as links to download and subscribe.
0: We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done.
1: And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Links podcast community on community.goinglinks.com.
0: Until next time,
1: thanks for listening. 73.